My name is Ty Wilson. I've been a musician for the better part of 20 years. Over that time, I have written, covered, and performed in almost every genre, from heavy metal to alt-rock to country music. I've met some amazing people along the way, and today, we're going to talk to one of them. This is Ty Wilson Talks. All right, we have my first ever podcast today. So I figured who better to bring on than my best friend in the entire world, Mr. Kyle Dorcott of Far From Keen and Hello Operator fame. Um, he sits down with me and we had a great chat about our previous experiences musically, uh, the current state of music, and a whole bunch of stuff in between. So I hope this kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse at what you're going to get from the Ty Wilson Talks podcast. So without further ado, here is Kyle Dorcott. All right, buddy. Turn and look at me and everything. You're not just gonna stare at the screen. I, wanna, yeah, I, wanna, that's fair. I wanted to see you. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to look at your face while we're doing this. All I'm right. Having a hard time focusing with your your dog safety code in here. His <laughs> <laughs> <Is it> traveling. <laughs> he can get <laughs> Albert. <laughs> He's fine. He'll, Hi. He'll, he'll leave at some point. Uh. So yeah. Welcome to podcast number one. I thought we'd do it with uh, my best buddy Kyle. He might be the first and best person for me to. Uh, do this with since he's known me the longest or one of the longest and uh, we both play a lot of music together and we've had a lot of fun in the past so that is very sweet of you to say thank you for that of course man yeah of course and so uh i have an interesting idea for this where i want to go back and kind of look at um prior you know band experiences or music experiences studio experiences I don't want it to be interview style necessarily. I don't want to ask you a bunch of questions or anything like that. I just want us to like chat. And, you know, we have so many things that we've been through ourselves and so many things that you've been through that uh, I thought it might make for maybe an interesting conversation. So it's going to be a reminiscing kind of conversation. I think so. I think we haven't reminisced in a while. That's, that's what I, I, I was hoping for. So uh, before we get into our own reminiscing, uh, why don't you say the bands that you've been a part of and all the fun things that you've done okay so yeah in my youth younger years so started playing in high school like most of us did as you know and then i was a little uh unfaithful to my first high school band and some of its members i believe and i uh my changed, heart got broken yeah changed <laughs> changed high schools to come and uh, be with our uh, our drummer there and that's where i met you and then uh we played together in far from keen the lovely cutting our chops in the high school experience there and then I, uh, I suppose, I'm sure we'll get to this in a bit more detail, but I'm sure my, uh, my infidelity <laughs> grew a little bit more, you might want to call it there. And then uh, with Andrew Stricko, right, got the opportunity yeah. with him to go play. So, uh, yeah, him and I went off and played with, that, uh, with Hello Operator and uh, did that for a while before uh, kind of giving it up altogether and uh, joining the military. And then uh, pretty much back to playing with you, which was always the... The most enjoyable of it all and that's kind of an interesting take on all this i think it'll end up being yeah uh, uh 
I guess the over the years, I know we lost touch for a little bit in our later teens when you joined the military, and I was a little upset with the whole hell operator thing. But uh, then we finally kind of came back to one another and our love and uh, started making music again. I feel like you, you you put it a good way years ago. I remember because when it first happened, uh, and I got the chance to go do that and kind of left the left the group that we were playing with. I remember you being like, "I'm I'm mad." And I was mad at the time, but I also understood that, like, if you had been afforded that opportunity, what you said was, if, if I had been afforded that opportunity, I would have absolutely taken it. And I know that you would have, like, understood as well. So it was like, yeah. at that point of our lives, it was coming from a place of, like, it's like, oh, I'm hurt, but, like, I wish it was me at the same time, you know, at, the, yeah. at that time. So, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny because I remember working at No Fr- I remember that call. I remember that conversation. And I was working at No Frills and, uh, I remember getting the call and just being like completely gutted and then being so mad for so long because because it was something that we had worked on together and and uh you know the other band members um whom i love uh you know brock and, and ben were great but it was me and you that were kind of the the real nucleus of that group so i felt like i had lost my right hand a little bit um because you wrote a lot of the music so it was yeah we, we we had chris Ryder by then and i think yeah, that's why yeah. it was a little easier for me to go being like you know what chris writes pretty great guitar parts so i'm sure it'll be like in good yeah. hands at that point yeah. but uh it, it was it was almost like calling a it was like you know back when you had to call a girlfriend to break up with them <laughs> opposed to just yeah. you know ghosting them on on <laughs> instagram for a while you actually had to uh, like see them or phone yeah. them or talk to them i hope i'm not dating myself with the ghosting on instagram that's probably not a thing but i'm not the greatest with we're, that we're so. 30 it's fine 31 yeah. it's fine but uh yeah and, and and the irony of that is as much as doing that and and having that i guess you know measurable semblance of success playing with them was it still wasn't as fun as doing the high school stuff by by any stretch of the imagination and doing that like with your friends opposed to just kind of being hired to do it it was a cool experience but it definitely lacked that kind of personal touch yeah. while it was happening so i was gonna say yeah you were kind of like a hired gun at that point um andrew stricko who I think went on to play with Faber Drive after. Yeah, he he played yeah. with Faber for a couple a uh, couple seasons there, and then uh, I'm not sure what he's doing now. I'm sure he still plays, but uh, nothing recent. I don't think so. Yeah, I haven't heard from Strick in a while. I think he was in Toronto still uh, last time I checked. But so tell me a little bit more how that all came together and what you guys kind of did. I know you toured a bit. I know you had a couple TV appearances. Wink, wink. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so he, so he basically, he got the in on that because he was, I don't remember how he, how we got in with them. It was something to do with the studio, but they were looking for a drummer to tour with, and then they were also looking for a bass player. And he was like, "Well, I got a guy," and they were kind of like, because him and I'd played and, and kind of messed around a little bit before, and he was like, "Okay, well." we'll just take the whole rhythm section essentially. So I was like 17. I was a baby. They were all way older than me. So it was kind of like, I'll do whatever you guys need. I'll just, I'll be here. Yeah. I'll, I'll play songs. Sure. So, I'll play uh, songs, no problem, man. So, so they sent me like the, the cuts of the songs with just the bass parts and vocals. And I, you know, busted my butt in the basement in my, in my room in the basement there at my parents' house. And then when I had them, we did the auditions and that was good. So we did a couple of the, we did a tour with, uh, with Faber Drive in Canada. And that was like the bigger, tour and i think that's where they got a hold of stricko right when their old drummer left and they were like we'll have this guy come on board and by that point i'd already left and then moved on to a couple other bass players and then uh they hung it up after that i think did they i think so yeah so and i was still applying to uh to join the military while i was playing so i already had kind of like thoughts of this is fun but i i need to do something that doesn't have to 
get me back in my parents' house when I'm done, which is right. what... Which was that, what, what that know, was doing, right? It's a hard industry, right, to cut into, even if you're... And I really didn't know what I was doing. Like, I was... I was, I was seven. <laughs> I didn't know anything about recording. I didn't yeah. know anything about music theory. I was just like, I can play these parts. It's not that... It's not that hard. I like dress and, up in a bunny costume on stage pretty or much. something like that. Yeah. I was... I was... It was, I was, like, probably the epitome of faking it till you make it. I had, a, yeah. I had an ID that said I was 25 in the States. <laughs> it was, like, an Alberta age of majority card. It worked everywhere except Vegas, where the guys in the bar were like, yeah, this is not going to fly, man. <laughs> you can't. I was going to say, you guys ended up in Vegas um, well, on tour... Yeah, uh, and where did you play? Where did you when did, where did you end up playing? There? Well, the, in Vegas, where did we play? We played it. Uh, it was this place called the Beauty Bar on the old Vegas Strip, which was kind of cool because it was like a beautician. What, what do you call the place where they do the nails and stuff? A beauty salon. Is that, okay? Yeah, it was like yeah, a beauty salon slash like rock venue. So like girls would like come in and get like a manicure, pedicure while like doing shots and like watching rock music. It was kind of a cool concept. It's actually kind of dope. Yeah. And then the van broke down, so we were stuck in Vegas for a few days, actually. And then, yeah, then we left and went to San Jose and eventually made it back up to uh, to Vancouver. Right. So, so how um, how many dates did you guys do? Do you remember? I I don't. There was probably like 20 or 30 on that one. That, that was the first one we did that was down into the States, which was just us. So that was a lot of, you know, playing to mostly empty rooms or being lucky enough to muckle on with some bands that had some notoriety down there and opening for them so that that, that was all right but uh that was a grind that one the, the canada tour with favorite drive was better because that was their tour that we were just on right. and they played a lot of very kind of obscure northern ontario cities that didn't get a lot of concerts like they played dryden oh, okay which yeah. i'd never heard of it's like a <laughs> yeah it's way up there yeah it's, it's way, way up, up there and i guess it was like i i heard some of the radio promos for that show and it was like it's the first concert since like i don't know some big band in the 50s played here or something like <laughs> yeah. i don't know yeah and it was, it was in this like really cool auditorium and i swear half the damn town was there so like that was really that was kind of cool tough. yeah but, and you and you guys were opening for them right That's yeah how that goes now Which, were you on i think wasn't there like a hillary duff tour where you guys opened for them or? they were i wasn't on that tour. Oh, that were, was yeah. before me gotcha. yeah yeah and then that's the thing. I wasn't, it was only for like a year before I was like, you know what, this, this is fun, but I can say I've done it. And I, I really wanted to do this other thing after that. And right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they had, they had some notoriety. They were, they were a good opening act for a few bands. And then they, uh, like I said, I don't think they're playing anymore. So, mm-hmm. and it's hard to find any like evidence of them because the white stripes have a song yeah, called, called hello, hello operator. operator. So yeah. if you ever search it, that's all you find in the search right. results. It seems. I remember but, finding a, uh... I think take you take me away. Yeah, take, yeah, me, take away. me away. Yeah, which the, was I, I. That was in your room. I like that tune. Yeah, that yeah. music video is still on. Their music videos are still on YouTube, and then like we we played on uh, MTV Live. Right. But I can't. Uh, it was back before you know everything was recorded forever, so I I can't find the original footage of that. Uh, my parents PVR'd it, and, and then they lost, gone. and yeah. now it's gone. So I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm the abyss. I've been trying to find like contact numbers, get a hold of them, and be like, hey, do you guys still have this in an archive? And I just, I can't get through yet and have to start right. cold calling people but. Cold calling mtv canada which i don't do they exist anymore Who that's knows? the thing i don't even know if they're still around yeah there they probably are but they just probably play like jersey shore and you know it's everything except music there's on, no music but, anymore no no although have you heard uh ed, so- ed the socks doing a like tiktok channel or like a an instagram channel or something like that i'm getting nostalgic just hearing out the sock yeah honestly. i guess I he's like and you can like send in your videos or something like and he's uh He's trying to like curate like a real music station. 
okay. like much music was only yeah. like in the social medias and stuff like that which is kind of dope yeah I that's, that's pretty cool i think anything that's dedicated to the actual like you know the the pushing of like good new uh real music and like raw music is we probably need more of that because a lot of people just have to do it on their own nowadays without a lot of backing yeah. so yeah well that's that's kind of the interesting thing now is it's especially with covid um doing things on your own is a lot more maybe sustainable or reachable to to an audience but at the same time it's like you just lost in the sea of fucking everyone out there you're there's so much talent there's so much people putting out constant content that um if you're not like a marketing guru as well as a business person like it's just so hard to it seems like talent, uh, even like raw talent, comes secondary to having a proper marketing team yeah. and having that right kind of catalyst for it. Because I mean, I I'm a broken record. I say this all the time, but you walk in any any bar in a major city on a on a busy Saturday night, and then the guys playing in the bar are just immensely talented most of the time. And you're yeah. like, why is this guy not famous? Why is this guy not living right. off music? And you know, it's just because it's such a saturated market nowadays. I think it's it's very yeah. hard to break into. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, it's. Uh... You, you gotta love it and you can't have that uh you know that preconceived notion like i'm just gonna get famous that's why i'm gonna do this yeah it's like now it's i'm gonna play and if something happens awesome or i'm gonna try and put things out there at least for myself i know that like i'm just gonna put stuff out there and i know some people do enjoy it so you know that's something it's, it's good and i and i love doing it so yeah and even a like bit of money on the side for yourself, I've always found it super interesting that it almost seems like timing-wise, and maybe this is just kind of like a fate thing, is it seems like as, as soon as you stopped relying on music as like a, this is going to be my income and this is all I can focus on, like as soon as it, like when you got the job that you have here in Ontario on top of like making music, like that's when it started picking up and it's like, oh, this is ironic, you know, here. Yeah, it was, it was super, it was definitely super ironic. Uh, moving back and then going into like the cover music like bar gig scene that i that i'm kind of in and then not just giving up on writing kind of completely for a long time um but then i was making more money as a bar musician um you know playing three hours of cover songs and a couple of my own thrown in uh than i ever did like as a quote-unquote professional musician writing you know pop music in toronto and and putting out a record there that you know didn't do well um and doing all the you know if you looked at my instagram or if you looked at facebook or something like that at that time it was like oh man he's doing cool stuff and uh and it's like no i was just broke living in my producer's like basement with him (laughs) and and, and this is this is probably the big takeaway it seems now is that like like most of social media musical success how it appears is everything's a success story like right everyone's everyone's rich everyone's famous everyone's doing great and that's relatively new but even okay like going back to like favorite drive right in canada at the time they were on the radio all the time that when i'm with you song is still on the radio in in pretty moderate rotation but like those guys aren't retired in the hills with you know boats and faberge eggs and stuff you know like i I don't think that those guys the the illusion of financial success through music i think is really is out there it's a lot it's very easy to look successful just like it's very easy to have your life look like a highlight reel you know on instagram because it's it is basically right You you see people posting it's like all good and oh, it's another trip or another item or another perfect day. But, like, right. you know, people's lives aren't perfect, just like I think 
musicians, especially up and coming or struggling musicians' lives are are not perfect. Right? No, not so. at all. Uh, it's it's uh, especially in, like in Canada, it's it's so hard to be financially uh, stable as a musician, or to you know you could be a working musician making thirty grand a year. Yeah. maybe yeah. and that's the successful ones yeah but i know we were talking about this before we came in here that uh like what was the last what's the last successful band you can think of yeah. coming from canada and you know arkells was, arkells. was, was yeah. our was our answer and it was kind of like well yeah but like are they big in the states I, i'm not i don't even know if they're I, I think they do. I, I think have they're like real commercial success i mean they probably make six figures a year which is which is awesome I think they're going to probably go down in, in musical history similar to like Our Lady Peace has as a Canadian right. band where like yeah. they'll have their decade or, well, you know, decade and a half where they're successful pretty much everywhere. They can run tours internationally and then they'll end up relying on, you know, that estige to, to run their own studios, to run their own production companies and to record right. others. And yeah. people will want to go to them for like the rest of their working lives because yeah. of that success they had. But I think it's really hard to maintain musical success for years and years and be relevant with how quick the music industry moves now oh definitely 100 percent. like it's uh and i have to agree with that um yeah that was pretty spot <laughs> it was yeah. pretty spot on actually like, i'm thinking i'm like oh yeah that's uh, yeah yeah okay that checks out like <laughs> what's well, like again we were talking about it out there like 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 even the, the foo fighters in, in the states i don't like their new stuff i i find it very like kind of experimental and a little like all, alternative rock and stuff but like they can obviously rely on their decade of immense success forever, but like that's just them trying to stay relevant. And it also feels like they've gotten to a level of success where like we can do what we want. We don't really right. mind if people yeah. buy it, you know. But they don't have the pressure from a from a record company being like, no one's going to listen to that, so we're not going to support it. We're not going to put it out. Yeah. So. Well, they don't. They don't. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's an interesting thing that I'm seeing. I'll get your opinion on this because I've been thinking, or I've been looking, or watching this. Um, it looks like a lot of more popular musicians are crossing genres. Like I know John Mayer has always been one that's done that. Um, country and pop is one of this, you know, they're, they're very similar. Taylor Swift just put out like a folky album, which was amazing. Yep. Um, actually two of them, sorry, during COVID, it seems like the record labels, like you don't need one anymore. Like if you just go viral or if you can put a team together that you trust billy eilish i don't know i've yeah and she you know it's just her producer team it's her and they put out everything themselves and it's and so you can you have that artistic integrity back that you can use yeah, that the freedom because you you're in freedom yeah. yeah and which is awesome i think that's a really great way for music to go into well and then like even taylor swift who you mentioned doing that total power move and re-recording 17 right is that's the album she's re-recording now because the i think I, yeah, yeah I, i'm she she like she re-recorded love story because she doesn't own the the ep master right. of the original so she's yeah. like fine i'll just re-record it and hopefully everyone in the world downloads that one Instead and that'll be one. the one that is played on radios right it, it's interesting how like radio is a good example especially in ontario because um even though sometimes the ownership of songs will change some radios don't really get the memo on that so like uh I'm going to butcher remembering the song title, but you know that Evanescence song? The one, Wake Me Up. Yeah, Bring Me to Life. Bring Me to Life. Bring Me to Life, yeah, yeah, Bring Me to Life. Okay. You know the the bridge in that song where her guitarist is singing? Yeah. So when he left the band, he took his vocal rights to that song. Oh, okay. So there, there's a version of that song, which is like the official legal version floating around where that whole bridge, yeah, his vocals missing. aren't in it. 
and neither is his like wake me wake yeah that whole wake me up thing in the background right. he's not singing it and it sounds really weird and empty with it mm-hmm. but like if you're in Toronto or you're in big cities or in the states they have that version right but you go to like northern Ontario and they're still playing the old one so sometimes yeah. it takes like I don't think Taylor Swift's ever going to get there in terms of fully replacing right it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember looking for the Seether and Amy Lee song Broken oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I could only find Seether's like full version rock I couldn't find the Amy Lee version okay so anywhere it was gone so I wasn't yeah. sure what happened and that used to be <laughs> I'd never even heard the Seether only one so like the Amy Lee and him yeah. used to be the only version so the radio that's what played, I thought right? so but... I think the Seether one was just like a demo that they did previously or like prior to maybe a, to pitch to, to Amy Lee but and it's so like what you're saying about in terms of, of doing it all yourself mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree that doing it all yourself and the ease of that means that more creative content can go out into the world but I think that that over there's so many talented people yeah. right there's yeah. thousands of talented people so when you oversaturate the market with talent you're only going to get so much of that market share right so okay. it's and you know people have a small attention span right so it's like people can say oh i i love these guys i love these guys i love these guys but you can only love enough people to like spend your money or go to their shows or buy right. merch or be financially supportive you know people aren't made of money so when the record companies were pushing it that's kind of as far as you had to get as well yeah. as success like as i get if i get that record deal everyone's gonna buy this because they buy everything that capital puts out they buy right. everything that you know, or back when it was this, you know, the the heavy rock scene when it was like Victory and Epitaph Records. It was like, remember when we were like, oh god, can we get on? If we can just Epitaph, get on Victory, like, can we just get on Epitaph? Like, we'll be made. Yeah, right. And, so, uh, yeah, which like looking back now, knowing what I know, knowing what we know, would have been, which would have been awesome at the time. We would have been, yeah, happiest. Yeah, would have right? loved it. We would have loved it. It would have been the greatest thing ever. But so, so I think that just I don't think. Th- there's going to be a lot of uh, bands, singer-songwriters going forward that are able to, like, capture the market the way that bands did in the last, you know, 20 years. And I think that's probably why the biggest bands in the world are still the same biggest bands in the world that they were, you know, 10 years ago, 20 right. years ago. Yeah. Like, we were going back to. Like, I-, I agree with you. I think Mumford & Sons was the last, like, quote-unquote real band yeah, to this. break in with a new genre that the whole world was like, this is amazing. Right. And it's artistic and it's musical and it's them writing it. It's not yeah. a, a third party songwriter just handing them material, being like, you guys should play this. So, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, that's accurate. They were like the, it was a musical fusion that we hadn't really seen. Um, I guess that would be like 2010, 20, yeah, 2010 when they came out, which is yeah. crazy. It's been that long ago. Yeah, I know. It's, um, but yeah, it was brilliant, and I can't think of anybody that's really had the same effect in that amount of time. Like, there's there are people like Billie Eilish, and there are people like um, you know, huge stars, uh, Ed Sheeran, and that stuff that are by themselves um, amazing. But like band wise, that was kind of the the last. Yeah, and and it's not to take away from like solo singer songwriters because obviously that is the market. I mean, but I was always a big maybe this is like an age thing for us is that. I was always a big slave to the radio mm-hmm. and then pardon me geez I was a big slave to the radio and then I was uh, really influenced by like when we were playing music was what you heard yeah. playing shows and like other bands but I think the live show scene is kind of dying a little bit mm-hmm. especially with COVID or yeah, last year 100% and the radio is just is all singer songwriter stuff and it's like I don't mind I enjoy it when those songs come on I'm like oh yeah this has like a nice beat to it but it's almost like it's a form of entertainment 
more to me now than it is about like wow that song like really yeah. speaks to me and i can't believe someone wrote that and like i'm trying to interpret what it means because i don't feel like that's yeah i think that uh so i wasn't as much a slave to the radio but definitely like um i remember when you know when we were in our teenage years and we were in far from keen and and the stuff that i listened to like getting that taking back sunday alexis on fire billy talent um like getting those records and listening and being like as someone that grew up on classic rock and like classic 90s and 80s country um it was like you could do this you yeah can fucking you can scream yeah which you is exactly yell, what all the, you can be yeah. angry like yeah it's amazing it was, how that's generational right i know all the guys right? grew up listening to the beatles were like oh my god i can listen to like yeah Slayer. exactly because <laughs> like, I, I listened to acdc in boston and stuff yeah. and still like uh boston holds a special place in my heart I, I'll, I'll always love them but listening to those and pissing my parents off with it um and and having and then screaming in our band yeah. like you know we covered ohio's for lovers yeah. by it's hawthorne heights as like one, one of our first ones was the first one yeah and uh and being able to just fucking yell yeah. terribly might yeah. i add <laughs> but then, yeah. really badly but uh but being able to do that was was like it, revelational um and then you know much loud we had our song oh, on yeah, the alternate loud. route on the wolf and peter like the, oh, yeah. our local radio station right. i remember like being a stock boy at no frills and after 9 p.m <laughs> we put on the alternate route yeah. and my, so i'd be listening to our song while i'm stocking shells being yeah. like i'm gonna be famous one day Jeez, i fucking made it i fucking I made, made it. i fucking made it's it like, yeah it's like now i'm just put these cheese it's where they go <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly the last yeah, time i gotta get these, these soup cans things. on the shelf yeah. then <laughs> it, we might be all right it's it i think the the generational influence is kind of cool because like you said you got a whole generation before us that like you know the guys who grew up listened to the beatles and then those guys became you know acdc or boston or like uh, yeah. unless of van halen and all that stuff you're talking about it's like and then yeah, I, I definitely agree with you is that I, I got lucky. My dad was always pretty contemporary with music. Right. He would like, I'm pretty sure it was my dad who was like, check out Billy Talent. These guys are like really different. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, old man, what do you got? <laughs> and then like that Billy Talent record, that first record just cover to cover. Try honesty. Gave me like, <laughs> it does. It, it fucks. It, it's it's such a serious record. And when try honesty came on much music and I watched that video, I was a equal parts. I think I was like, 12 or 13 years old i was terrified uh i was excited and i think it was a little bit horny because i was yeah. like i'm just listening to it going like fuck yeah it's just like, so it's good. just so good it's so good yeah and then like i, I don't know I, I think they are probably and this isn't going to be time will tell on this one but like i would compare those guys billy town i would compare those guys to like fucking rush like they are like the next generation of like just something completely different that came out of Canada and like smashed down boundaries and it's gonna be the same thing right people will be like oh I don't like his voice it's not for me but I appreciate the musicianship and that's mm -hmm. like Rush as well but for those guys to be so internationally huge like they're yeah. bigger in the rest of the world now than they are in Canada yeah yeah like and, and with that style of music is just so impressive to me yeah. and but, they were so exciting like it was um it, yeah, it, fe it felt yeah. like a flash in the pan Right. That music genre, like when when them and Alexis, uh, when that was it in Canada, and yeah. the much music days, like mm -hmm. that all just kind of like stopped in Canada with that genre. And and I wish we were a bit more like the states in that way, where there's like dedicated music avenues for that kind of like heavy rock stuff. Yeah. But we're 
I think the sad part is, is like, you know, the states have that population size where you could sustain that subculture of people or that subculture um, musically, whereas, you know, a country with 33 or 34 million, however many million we have yes, here and how large the country is, um, there almost there isn't even enough to really keep a pop act, you know, sustained. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a metal act where you're not going to have as many or, or a hard rock or whatever alternative act that you're not going to have as many people going out to see um, or want to listen to, it's it's almost impossible. You have to make it in the States or you have to make it in Europe. You have to go, you have to have, or even like uh, South America, I know that's a big yeah, market. Yeah, for... yeah. It, it, it almost, uh, this is kind of an interesting try to way to say this, but like th- those genres of music, you know, that they're kind of a bit more aggressive and angry and just trying to get out emotion and frustration. I, f- I feel like if anything, there would, there would, there's never been a bigger market for that in the last few years because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Everyone's pissed off. Everyone's cooped up. People want to go out and like rebel and, and yell at the world right now. I, I feel like, right. So maybe we'll get like a resurgence of that kind of music genre in Canada after COVID ends and we can do shows again. But what, what I always thought would be a cool kind of segment for something like this is like, I would love to go back to like, Holy Cross, and I, I want to like talk to modern high school kids if I can yeah. like get them off their phones. I want to be like, hey, like, do you go to live shows? Do you know of yeah. any like, is there a live show market in Peterborough for like young kids? Because I always thought it was weird that we could just like show up to the Red Dog, like an adult bar for adults. Yeah, and we're just a bunch of snot nosed kids like playing in the 15, basement, but 16, like sixteen, seventeen year old teenagers. Yeah, but we we'd fill up that place. We were the only thing keeping Red Dog in business back then. I felt like because the bar never yeah. had anyone in it. it was... That and the well, no, the bar had like Protest the Hero, and they had. They actually oh, had the upstairs shows upstairs, yeah. but we like took over the downstairs f- until whatever eleven p.m. Yeah, and there'd be some like like uh, whatever else going in there, and fucking and we'd fill it every weekend, like every weekend. That's yeah. where you went to hang out. Yeah, was, that was like, just what was going was on. Downtown. So. I'm sure you could say that for any other, you know, in the mid two thousands or late two thousands, um, Canadian city or American city or whatever, small town, small city. Like that was where you went. You went there here in Peterborough. You went to the spill. You went to, yeah. you know, and you just saw what bands were playing or who was like hanging out or uh, who was opening for who. Like I know when I was running shows, like I brought in Van and I brought in, um, oh, you I'd know, forgotten about them. Yeah. yeah. Bands like <laughs> that right, where yeah. it was like, here's a headliner. Uh, and I want to play with these bands. So I'll book the show and I'm just yeah, going to play in the right. first two bands. Just that, gonna uh, sneak. I'm just going to sneak my <laughs> bands. Draw on the a happy bill. little bush in here. Yeah. <laughs> just your bands. And uh, I don't give a fuck if anybody yeah. knows it. Like I, I, it seems like n- nowadays everything is like so convenient and to your door, right? You don't have to go out for food anymore. Or someone will bring it to you. You don't have to shop anymore. Or someone will bring it to you. And, and that seems like what music is doing too. People yeah. are like discovering music. It's all digital. They're finding it on YouTube. They're finding it on iTunes. They're, it's being shared on social media. Like I, I find myself finding a lot of like new bands on Facebook because they'll just be recommended to me and mm-hmm. I'll be like, oh yeah, this bangs. This is a great song. And then you'll like, you'll try to find them because the one video you got shown is like amazing production value right. because anyone can shoot a high production quality video now. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll watch this and I'll be like, oh yeah, these guys must be like super famous and great. And then I'll like try to find the website and it's just nothing. this it's nobody nonsense. band. And yeah. I was like, why are these guys not famous? So I, I think prior where it used to be like you had an interest in a band, but you couldn't really get their music. Right. Or you, you didn't know anything about them. You, you had to go see them live yeah. to really figure out what they're about. But now everyone brands themselves that you know everything about them before you, and you never have to see them. Right. I think it was like also like you had to buy 
that album to read like the album jack you had to get the lyrics from there you had yeah. to uh, to get their story you know you had to buy i know for myself like with epitaph or victory or like those those screamo hardcore bands like they had little demos like demo dvds that came with a lot of the cds oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would show like live shows like from first to last and and whoever else was on the label yeah. to introduce you to these other bands that were on the label yeah that's right and it was super rad and i remember just like i would just sit in the basement watching those fucking dvds over and over again going like fuck yeah like this is it and it was that little you know a little bio beforehand hanging it with a band and then yeah. the live show playing wherever when didn't they used to put like little teaser demos like in the victory and epitaph like magazines and stuff too or something yeah. like that like almost like the uh, the perfume folded page things in magazines yeah. you know like yeah. they used to uh what was alternative press yeah all, yeah, all AP, press. yeah. AP. yeah that's yeah. right well yeah. i feel like that's how that uh like secret lives of the freemasons that band mm-hmm. that we used to like listen to briefly i think they were on victory yeah it's victory yeah, they're on like and that, then yeah. uh yeah, like we would have never heard of them yeah. unless we'd gotten that physical EP from somewhere. I don't right. even remember where it came from. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, they might have just like popped up on, on, on YouTube or Facebook. Yeah, on a or, sponsored ad on, on yeah. Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. And There was just way less to focus on back then. Like I said, I just feel like it's it's information overload nowadays when it comes to music. And just as quickly as you're on to something new, you're then on to something after that. And like right. bands need like a dedicated following. They need like a a loyal fan base to follow them through those like indoctrination years until they get successful. And I just think that's really hard to get nowadays, especially nowadays with everybody's attention span being like zero, like it's a goldfish, right? Like I, myself, I'm included. I'm, I'm terrible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know what the, uh, like what the solution for that is, but it, it seems like you almost have to come to the table being perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what, what, Polished, when you, perfect, yeah. ready to go. You have to have like three months at least of, of content to, yeah. to pitch out and to throw out there into the world. Or the, or the marketing team or the, you know, the, yeah. the uncle's got an in with the guy at the radio or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and they're just going to beat it into people's heads. They're just going to, that that's where I find myself singing new songs or like having a new song in my head. It's not because I even particularly like it. It's just because I hear it every time I turn on the radio and right. that's like immensely valuable mm-hmm. to, and I think it's very wasteful when you've yeah. got thousands and thousands of songs that could be broadcast, you know, on a loop. And instead, they just play the same, like, 30 yeah. or 40 every day. I think it's hilarious that you listen to the radio, because I'm the opposite. I never listen to the radio uh, and discover weekly on, like, Spotify. That's how I find new music. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's how I listen to stuff. Or, like, playlists on Spotify or something like that. Um, and I'll get it through that form i don't find that i i really find much music through the facebook promo ads or anything or youtube like i'll listen to youtube yeah like tiny desk npr concerts i'm a big you know if i hear somebody that i like i want to listen to them acoustically i want to listen to them with like stripped down without anything there to accompany them and uh i'll just go like in a hole with those like npr concerts or or just acoustic versions or sessions or something like that that well, and even like you're saying about Spotify, Spotify is like creepy how how it knows you. Like, yeah. I think I turned on I turned on Spotify for the first time, fuck, like forever. Yeah. A, a couple months ago. And the playlist it put out was like, oh, yeah, this. Oh, yeah, this. Like, it really yeah. digs in there. And then I but then I still go to I, I still go to iTunes. And like every time I hear a song that I forgot existed, if it's on iTunes, I'll go buy it because I want it forever. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of a slave to uh 
Oh yeah, you and well, you use an Apple phone or an iPhone too, so that's that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know why I'm I'm still stuck with this idea of like owning a quote copy of the song, even yeah. though that's not where music's really going. I don't think, but I don't. I, I think the future for that could basically be to have a subscription to the iTunes catalog. Mm-hmm. So you pay monthly for access to the iTunes catalog, and then they came out with that, right? That's what Apple Music essentially is. I mean, that's what Apple Music. That's also what Spotify is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious yeah it's fine yeah. i remember saying that like like t- like f- five years ago being like i'd love to have all of itunes and not pay for it just pay like a monthly subscription yeah. and that's pretty much what they've and done so what it is yeah yeah well they had to keep up right they had to keep up with spotify because spotify has been that way for however long five years six years I yeah i'm sure what it is so in lieu of all that and the barriers to entry and stuff into the music industry what do you think is like what do you have to have to break into that like where's that magic number how many album sales is it how much fan following is it i don't think it even has to do with album sales anymore i think that if you're gonna want to or if you're gonna try to break in um have good songs that you have prepared and fucking ready that you've that you've mastered basically and try to have a team like someone that can video stuff for you like record stuff for you record stripped down versions what i'm seeing a lot is like especially in country music is people putting out a recording then a stripped down recording then an acoustic video and then using that as like six weeks worth of content and doing it all over again no one does an album anymore it's all single release right so i know for myself i'm doing i'm going to record three singles and then do a release every six weeks and post content in between and that doesn't even you know that doesn't guarantee you anything but you have to have eyes on you for anybody to get signed like if warner music's gonna sign you or something like that it has to be one of those luke combs situations where okay i came to the table with a million youtube views and a million spotify streams yeah now i have something of use to you so you can help me out but that's another thing i was saying was like the record labels are kind of going by the wayside they don't really have yep. much to offer anymore except for maybe some funding um because they were exposure stuff. they were exposure people and they're not right they and now we now you have now. exposure yep. and they're kind of grasping at straws um to, to stay relevant to stay and relevant and just be like we're useful i yeah, promise we promise yeah. so so do you think that maybe the future for that then is is basically like you know, look at video game streamers mm-hmm. right they're not creating anything right. it's the value of viewership yeah and they get paid mm-hmm. you know for 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 views on youtube and on facebook streams so do you think that that's where music is going to fit in in the future is basically where you'll make all your music revenue by streaming it and and that's how you'll be paid essentially i really hope not i know that streaming is probably the most like where you're going to get the most revenue at the moment like you know, someone who has 40 or a hundred million or whatever views on YouTube is making some bank. Um, but live, live shows have always been the way you and touring have been, or, or the way that you make your money as a musician. And I hope, I know COVID kind of screwed all this up, but I, I think that people still love live music and still love going to see live music yeah, and still want to listen and have that experience. Like, you've seen what with your i think it was with your dad you two did you go to yeah YouTube yeah, concert? Saw, yeah like, that was one of my first concerts you was YouTube. can't like how was that experience oh it was you? yeah it was transcendent for sure yeah and i'm not even like the hugest u2 fan in the world but like seeing it live was like oh it was 
that was their Vertigo tour. I think it right. was like I I don't remember the year, but it was yeah, it was brilliant. And I, and yeah. I've had that experience a number of concerts. Like I was at Sarstock in Toronto oh, when yeah. I was like 14 years old with my dad, my uncle, and some cousins watching ACDC <laughs> and the fucking Rolling Stones. Was that was that the year they they messed up the timing so everyone thought ACDC was coming on, but it was like Justin Timberlake's turn instead, and he got like bottled a bunch he was really early in the day and i felt so bad for him because he it was for they all played for free for the star stock it was like a charity concert right yeah, it was five hundred thousand right people thing. at downsview yeah. park in toronto trying to do the right thing and he was on with a bunch of rush like he was with rush yeah he's yeah, with right. like sam roberts was actually really dope he was there um it, it was a really cool and then, yeah he was getting water bottles thrown at him and uh, it had to feel really fucking bad for yeah. the guy because he was just trying to do a good thing but in the end yeah like watching acdc and like jumping around and rocking out as a 14 year old or 13 year old kid um like that is transcendent yeah, yeah it is it it's, is it's, it's just sure. one of those yep. moments that stays with you and and mu- music does that you know like going to see your favorite band and going to see your favorite performer or group or whatever and having that experience is is such a like people need that it's, it's like it's when you and i uh, when you and i saw goo goo dolls it was like that because i was yeah. like my first time like i'm a huge fan of theirs as you know and that was mm-hmm. like that was the first time i'd ever seen them i never thought i'd be able to see them right and then where was that it was london that I was think, right? uh, hamilton. Well, hamilton hamilton yeah yeah remember because they <laughs> fuck i remember they opened with big machine and i had to i was in the bathroom <laughs> yeah <laughs> remember they came out of it early yeah. i was in the bathroom and i missed like the first 30 seconds of big machine i was like no yeah. no but the the revenue for for touring bands too is like we're still kind of antiquated in how we like measure success in the music industry i think because uh it's still done by like album sales yeah. i mean yeah they're digital album sales now sure mm-hmm. but when you hear people say oh i sold a million records and stuff and right. i feel like that was really cool when you went into a store and you picked up a physical copy of either vinyl or a disc, you know, and and you bought that. Like I think yeah. measuring physical things like that, that's really really cool. Yeah, because like yeah. that takes effort to walk into a 100%. HMV and and buy it, like, you know, a CD. It wasn't that like, long ago. Like I remember combing, you know, going to like Blue Streak, the local record shop, or something like that, and combing the like two dollar bins for for like a classic or something like that that you or a five dollar bin, whatever it was that you didn't have yet or that you wanted yeah. to oh, see yeah. if it was in there. And I know like when we were in high school, like we were kind of judged by your book of CDs that you had. Yeah, that's right. Like, you know, I had right three your... books of CDs that I fit in my backpack with <laughs> <Yeah>. my Discman. <laughs> the anti-skip feature on yeah, my yeah. Discman is right. Exactly. And then, yeah, I remember when like they, you started being on like, you know, burn 20 or 30 songs onto a CD yeah. and being like, it's the future. It's now, you know, <laughs> like I'm not limited to like only yeah. one CD. I don't have to change and the then, disc every time uh, I want to listen to a new artist. Brilliant. What is this? But I, uh, over the last, uh, especially 10, 15 years, uh, evidently t- bands have to tour more and, you know, yeah. sell more merchandise and try to sell more albums at live shows, like up and coming bands, obviously yeah, yeah. not yeah. huge bands. Cause that's the only way they can get people to essentially impulse buy their albums like i i definitely the most cds i ever bought was like at shows where they're like oh we got some cds in the back go check them out and you're like you know what they were good they put on a good show they've earned my money yeah you know like that's bands got to do that a lot more now because i would love to see and it's hard to compare because like you're Mm -hmm. saying it's a lot of single releases now there's not a lot of like big albums i want to see if the numbers today on like initial release or like on release day for new albums, what they are comparatively to like when it was 
a, a solid right. copy. If you sell six hundred thousand albums in like your first week, yeah. when it's a physical disc, versus if you sell that now when people just have to like click on their computer to buy yeah. it, I think it's more impressive when they were CDs. Per- personally. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, you know there was something to to say also for you know having that track at the end that's like hidden yeah the, the hidden, bonus, the hidden track. bonus track or something yeah. like that like you don't have that stuff it has to be in your face or you're not going to listen yeah. to it anymore it has to be right there fucking punching you in the nose like hey listen to me listen to this fucking song yeah. for you to real like you know get off your scrolling facebook feed and and go listen to it right it has to hook you in the first 10 seconds or it's you're just not gonna you're not going to pay attention. And I, I think you touched on it too, in terms of like pride of ownership for your music collection and stuff. Like I remember my dad was super inspiring with that growing up. Cause like mm-hmm. he had a very large vinyl collection. And then he also had, I don't even know if you can get these anymore. I don't know if you, you probably never saw them, but um, they were these like giant CD turntables that each held 300 CDs and he had three of them stacked oh, on top what? of each other and they were all full. And you could like, you could see what it was you know you'd press it and it would like to that cd and like start playing it i remember thinking it was like the most incredible thing i'd ever seen at the time and i mean now you know you've got that on your damn phone and it's the future again but yeah i remember just when he wouldn't be home when i would be at his place just turning his you know giant right four four foot speakers on and going through that collection and he had you know like like throwing copper by live Mm -hmm. that was the first time i'd heard that cd just randomly came on he had like uh journey was in there that was the first time i heard them like a lot of that was from him but just uh he was so proud of that collection i don't think he even has it anymore with all the moves he's done but like that pride of ownership and music collection i i I miss that a lot as well yeah you definitely had something to like nerd out about right like i remember in high school like we were kind of music nerds in a way yeah absolutely like having all those cds and having like you know wanting to listen to the most obscure bands possible that you could find kind of thing and it's like they're cool because they're not popular and then yeah when they became yeah. too popular it wasn't cool it wasn't anymore cool sometimes anymore. You know? yeah but no, sorry go on no, no it's just it, just uh, i'd forgotten one last thing mm-hmm. on the whole cd the the pride of ownership with music is that um do you remember when you start when you started being able to put your cds onto itunes yes yeah, yeah. so like yeah. i had a, a pretty large cd collection and I could transfer them into my iTunes library. And then after I did that, you know, the CDs mm-hmm. fell by the wayside. They ended up right. in a box mm-hmm. somewhere. I think they probably all got thrown away eventually. And then I lost my computer the one time. Yeah. And there goes your CD library. There goes the CD collection because I didn't realize that, like, it doesn't count. Right. Why you can't just re download yeah. it. And, and there's so many albums that I know I've just completely forgotten exist mm-hmm. that I had on my iTunes library that I don't have anymore. I think my iTunes library went from, you know, like 7,000 songs down to you know five or six right like that whoops yeah, so super. yeah it's I, it's I, I do remember that and i remember transferring them over and being like i'll definitely listen to these cds now yeah. gone yeah yeah where where are they now file right so i have a box of them actually <laughs> oh well, there <laughs> I still you go. have the whole box yeah. i'm sure great well my uh my bedroom got converted into another snake incubator so yeah. I, I doubt they survived <laughs> the move I had like a dartboard on my wall that I'd been like throwing darts at, but they'd been going through the dartboard into the wall. So I know my right. <laughs> my dad wasn't very happy wasn't about that. Wasn't very happy yeah. on that one. No. So with this record collection of your dad's, what would be like? What was your favorite one to listen to, um, or the one that like you have the best? Like, what's your best memory sitting down in front of them? My, yeah, I, I touched on before. My best yeah. memory of like playing music or like uh, listening to music with my dad. There was two, and they're they're kind of obscure 
or that they're weird to pick but it was um the so long historia record that the ataris put out yeah. when they had that boys yeah. of summer cover it didn't get as much like credit as it deserves but that whole album bangs like yeah, that it's a great it's a record album. and that was just like a, i don't know we, we we did a lot of driving that summer and him and i were hanging out a bunch and that that was on the radio a lot it was that and then like the existential moment sitting in the basement on his collection was that throwing copper album by live because mm -hmm. like that was the first time i heard lightning crashes right which like to hear it for the first time on giant ass speakers mm -hmm. the way that song builds like yeah brilliant brilliant song brilliant album yeah. so yeah definitely good memories of that cd collection definitely yeah I remember, like, one of my fondest memories, um, looking back, because I had a very similar... My dad had, you know, hundreds of CDs. Like, we used to get that Columbia house. That was our, like, big thing for, like, the month or the week, however long it was. was like, you know, okay, guys, you get to pick three CDs each of, like, from the Columbia house, like, penny CD... What do you want? ...thing, what do you want? And he got a couple, and then when they got in, we'd all sit down and listen to them. Uh, and then, like, my dad would burn me or mix me, like, mixtapes um, on our old... We had one of those stereos that had the um, the recording feature. So, like, where you could put the cassette tape in. So, you put the cassette tape in. Oh, yeah. If, like, yeah, a yeah. song came on the radio or if you yeah. listen to a CD, you could, like, record it. Yeah. And so, he w we would sit there listening to, like, yeah, Boston, Styx, ACDC, Jay Giles Band, Midnight Oil, um, you know, all these rock and roll yeah. like rock and, bands and that stuff that like and that commit very early music piracy basically is what you're describing but yeah here. that's i mean we own the cds <laughs> <Record> so <laughs> we own them he was just making sure i could listen to all of them uh because my my mother and my grandmother's side which were very musical were all country people so he was like you're gonna fucking listen yeah. to rock or right? listen to the old boys shit. getting a proper education <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it was and uh and i remember this is a weird memory i remember going down to uh sitting in the backseat going to new brunswick because my great-grandparents were from there and uh and we we have there they had a cottage down there we were going to visit them and listening to mr roboto by sticks <laughs> in the back and just jamming out and it was, it was, it was a random cool memory but uh yeah i don't know but it's, it's really sweet the the things like having that tangible I don't think you have that anymore or maybe the young kids younger kids like do have that listening to my dad showed me this band on spotify today. yeah like, and, you know and that's the, that's the scariest thing i i think isn't it really is like are we all just gonna turn into our parents we we just we're it again it's, it's i hope so man it, my dad's rad yeah. i love my dad it, it's so. no, i mean like, it's <laughs> yeah. generational we're oh kids today don't understand you know that's yeah. exactly what they I said and, so, and it's like okay well if they don't then you know you, you know educate them a little bit yeah. i guess but yeah. it's like i do wonder about that sometimes i think mm -hmm. that uh b because music's so powerful in terms of like you know you're in terms of activating memories and stuff like that we all have those songs that come on and you're like i remember like exactly and some of them are like so vivid and so powerful that like it doesn't just like bring back the memory it just brings back like everything of what you were doing when you were heavily listening to that song yeah. and it's just such a powerful thing and i wonder sometimes if modern music and what is like heavily accepted as like popular music mm -hmm. has the power to do that and i hope it does yeah i don't have that with a lot of like modern mm -hmm. music like something will come on the radio that was like a, a radio hit five years ago the, yeah. the feel good hit of the summer will come on mm -hmm. and i'm like oh yeah this th this song but it never hits me like a train you know right. like oh yeah this fucking tune you know yeah. like that yeah i get you uh i guess that's a this is a good kind of segue 
the 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 question I want to ask all my future guests, and you're the the perfect first one, um, is what is the most meaningful song to you ever? So I'll go oh, first. I'll let you know. I'll God. let you think. I'll I'll take the I'll take the reins yeah, from you. you go, so you can you go ahead. Let me think. So while I half listen to your answer. Yeah, I'm exactly. Of mine. Right. Yeah. So for me, it's more than a feeling with Boston. It every time I I used to say to like to any of my ex-girlfriends something like if i'm ever mad just put on that song and i'll just like instantly yeah it just it brings me to this place in my head of just like zen I, i've always phonically i think it's one of the most beautiful songs ever written uh i have the record like uh, i'll put that on just to hear that was, tune was peace of mind on that record yeah, too? yeah. that whole record's oh, amazing that whole record yeah. is yeah, yeah but, is but more than a feeling i just i listen to it and i just melt my whole everything's just okay in the world for that yeah. you know however four and a half five minutes whatever that song is and uh yeah it's just a, a beautiful beautiful tune that's it's true that's a good one i i did not know that about you actually i, I know like, I, I did not know you music. you had such a love affair with that song that's yeah. interesting okay i do have mine after some careful reflection while still being interested in yours actually because like i said i did not know that um mine is and it's weird because it's it, it's um it's from a band i don't really listen to that much it's uh, it's fix you by coldplay oh shit yeah 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 there's just something about it's probably a memory thing but like m my dad is absolutely enamored with that song too and like it's just a very very like powerful song to me yeah. and like how it builds yeah. and it like it, it's very very simple like all like chris martin stuff is for the most part but i mean like basically the um after the second chorus when just that guitar when that face? that the car yeah. start the yeah. guitar starts going in the it's it's just so oh it's amazing and then the and then yeah the four part harmony in the in the last part there it's it's beautiful uh boyce avenue do a really good cover of it as yes. well that, yeah. that do all that mm -hmm. but that's probably the most uh i was trying to think like what song you know for a most powerful song right. and I, I, that song tears me up every time i yeah. hear it and it I guess tears me that, up too i i get it man that, I, that I guitar that part tune. in that yeah. is so i think that's probably in terms of like the most powerful song yeah and that's i don't know if it's like my favorite song there's definitely songs that come on and make me feel better yeah but that's definitely the most powerful song yeah. in terms of like getting you in the gut for me that's yeah. awesome that's a great answer and i think my sister is is the same i think that's her yeah. song as yeah. well and my dad so yeah there's something there you go. Yeah, yeah he just cut right to the heart of us just cut, just, it just that. gets you it just yeah. fucks you up what's well, a difficult question right because it's yeah. like it's, it almost needs to be asked like what's your favorite happy song what's your favorite like i want powerful in the feels that's it song? i want powerful yeah. in the feels what makes you like what fucking crushes you but also lifts <laughs> yeah. you up at the same time it's like yeah that's basically what it is and that's yeah. how i feel that song is because like for the first uh the first two verses and choruses in that song is very like kind of like getting down and then just how that guitar part into the into the interlude into the bridge rises up like that and even though like you watch the live videos of him doing it like for that concert series when he was doing it live like he had that big uh spotlight he'd, like swing around the stage and then yeah. toss like it's just a very powerful image and yeah, stuff man. too so well, that's awesome yes that's the one that's the one yeah well thanks a lot kyle um i love you dude this i love you too so much fun uh we kind of got into some some cool stuff, and and yeah. uh, I'm really happy that was the first podcast. So, it's thanks, a good buddy. conversation. That was a good conversation. Didn't feel great. forced or unnatural. No, I know, it right? Good. It's almost like we've known each other for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I know. That's right. <laughs> All Thank right. you for having me. No, no problem. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you soon. 
All right, that's it. That's the podcast. I appreciate you listening today. If you could please do me one more favor, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and write me a review or subscribe to the podcast there. It is so much appreciated and it helps me out tremendously. You can also check out all of my socials at Ty Wilson Music. That's Insta, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you'd like. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Ty Wilson Talks.